Hello, everyone. Welcome into Gorilla Hockey with JJ and Jesse. I'm JJ Jerez. With me, of course, Jesse Montano. Hi. Not only with me here today recording this podcast, but you've literally been <laughs> everywhere, Jesse. Been I a mean, little bit of everywhere, yeah. It's a short, short time into the season so far, but I really feel like you've been just on top of the entire thing. Haven't missed a second of what's going on around Avalanche Land, yep. including we'll, last night's loss, 4-3. Well, I was saying we'll be in Seattle mm-hmm. uh, on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be ever. I'm gonna actually. I'm gonna immediately disrupt everything that's happening here to vent some frustration about another place I just was. I'm not gonna call out which one it was. Uh, I was at a a burrito place. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, here in Colorado, we've got Qdoba, Chipotle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you believe? <laughs> uh, we got illegal Pete's. I, I'm an equal opportunity burrito eater. I'll eat at any of those places. I think they're all fine. They're all good. My issue... Okay, what? This is a lunch burrito or a breakfast burrito? This is a lunch burrito. This was a uh, full-size lunch burrito. I've been a patron of all those types of places for a long time. Here's my problem. Burrito places. It doesn't matter if I've... It's my 1,000th visit. I never know what to expect when I walk in there. The portions are different every time. The way your burrito's wrapped is different every time. How much they charge you is different every time. And I just, dude, I just went through and I got a burrito. And I'm, I'm positive there's people listening. It's like, oh my god, complaining about a burrito really on this hockey podcast. I mean, that's what's going on in my mind. Yeah, right, exactly. I know. <laughs> I'm getting there. I'll, I'll land this plane. And like, I go in because I was like, ooh, show's coming up. I gotta get some food real quick. And I go in there, and the, the the girl is trying her best, but the manager openly admitted to my face, like, yeah, she's learning how to wrap burritos. And I was like, yeah, that, that, that's cool, but like, I'm about to pay 13 bucks for that. Can you make sure that I can eat it? <laughs> Thirteen dollars for a burrito. That's what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't. It could be thirteen. Could be nine. I, you just never know how they charge it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, are you the guy that gets all the extras? Right. Well, you go down the line and you try to get the peppers. They say that's extra. You get the guacamole. That's extra. So are you the guy that gets all the extras? Uh, I, I don't. I don't get anything extra that you have to pay for. Hmm. Well, I take that back. I get double portioned of the the protein. Uh, but other than that, it's all just included. But again, sometimes they charge you for it. Sometimes they charge you like for a scoop, which is like 75 cents. Sometimes they charge you for a full portion. I just never know what to expect. And um, that's what I was ranting about minutes before you got here with uh, Brady, our, our sales guy. I was like, bro, I just want to go in there and be like, can I get a burrito and know what I'm going to get? We can talk about the abs now. I'm sorry your afternoon is so rough. All due to a burrito. Um, but, yeah, let's get into the avalanche. I feel like they might be having a little bit rougher of a time and maybe... It wasn't a rough... I wasn't having a rough afternoon. It was just, Seems like it. It was just something that I was annoyed about. And I have a platform here. Sure. Right? They tell, us, they tell you to use your platform. I'm using it to raise burrito awareness. The same rap every time you go in. That's what we're fighting for. There goes any burrito sponsors that we might. Have. No, we, I would. Let's partner I'm with a big all of the burrito guys. Breakfast sponsors. burritos are maybe one of my obsessions. Yeah, I, I, I love, love them. A good I really burrito. try to, you know, Santiago's only, real near here. Only have one or so burrito a, a week because, you know, they're pretty fattening. But <laughs> what do they scan at? <laughs> you can't scan a burrito, Jesse. Uh, that's funny. I love I love that 98.7% of people that listen to this have no idea what that means. Should we explain it real fast before yeah, we get into the avalanche? Yeah, that ties us into the press box. 
<laughs> I uh, yeah, I use a, an app that you scan the barcode of any product out there, and it'll tell you if it's healthy or not, and it'll tell you if there's harmful additives or if it's clean and good to go. So there I is, use that, and I scan everything that's in the press box. Yeah. And if Jesse's eating cookies, I say, Jesse, that didn't scan very well. <laughs> or if Eric's eating a, a, or drinking a Diet Pepsi, I'll scan the Diet Pepsi and say, ooh, look at all this caramel. So you get, you get this bolding, is not good too. for you. I yeah. get bolding. I get Evan. I get everybody. Well, but I am there's a part of me that's starting to think that app is a little bit of horseshit because everything comes up as a zero out of 100. Or maybe so just our society just like, is horseshit I'm, by feeding us a bunch of toxic. I'm starting to think that... Jesse, I scanned gum the other <laughs> that, day. That, gum. Right, and that's my point. Three harmful additives. It's like, in I it. almost feel like that, like, that app is, uh, they're just trying to get you to not. No, no, there's a lot eat. of good things that come up. Mm-hmm. There are. There mm-hmm. are. I'll share them with you. But let, let's get into the avalanche. 4 3 <laughs> loss last night to the Seattle Kraken. Of course, everybody thought that was going to overtime, right? And I think if it goes to overtime, we're all feeling good about the Avalanche's chances. But uh, just. Seattle's becoming one of those teams that causes the avalanche fits. I, t- I told someone after the game last night that it feels to me like Seattle's in their head. You think that's what it, does? it is? You don't think it's a stylistic just nightmare for the avalanche, maybe just a matchup nightmare? No, because leading up to that playoff series, the, the Avs had pretty handily taken it to Seattle on most occasions. Um, just purely at the top of the lineup just being too much for Seattle to handle. Um, that playoff series, the Avs didn't have the depth. With the different injuries and stuff, they just didn't have the depth to hang, and you give Seattle a lot of credit. That game to me last night, <clears throat> they it felt uncomfortable the entire night. Uncomfortable, uncomfortable in what sense? Val, uh, you were in the building for Game Five of the Stanley Cup Final. Mm-hmm. Do you remember what the feeling there was that night? There was just that it's like tense. Yes, that's how last night felt to me. Maybe not the same thing from the crowd, but it, it just it just almost didn't feel like. Not that the Abs didn't believe, but that they were kind of like fighting uphill the whole game. Valentucian scores to tie that the game late. And it just it didn't have that like, all right, here we go. It almost felt like a, okay, well, we got one. We're back in it. Yeah, and, at least we'll squeak out a point in right, maybe overtime, right? Right, right, yeah. right. And, and that was to me what the vibe was more than anything else. You know, not not dissimilar to the vibe that you've heard me talk about, like those teams in the 2010s had, where it's like you're almost kind of waiting for something to go wrong. That was to me what I felt the energy was with that game, and I felt the same way in Seattle a couple weeks ago. I just think this team's in their head a little bit, and I think Seattle knows that, and so they're finishing every check a little bit harder. They're extra, you know, heavy on the four check. Like just, I, I, I think Seattle does play a good game that matches what the Avs try to do well. Mm-hmm. But up until game one of the first round. The Avs were able to match that and then just separate based on high-end skill, and they can't do that against Seattle right now. And it just, you know, nine straight games, Seattle has scored the first goal. I just think it's in their head a bit. I don't know. I mean, nine straight times, that's a bit of a pattern. And you even look at the last game that the Avalanche played in Seattle, that first period was all Seattle. Yeah. And the Avalanche woke up 
couple periods, and that's about it that you can really say from those last two games that the Avalanche really took it to Seattle. And I think there's just something about the way they play. I mean, they're they're they don't stop coming, right? And that's what mm-hmm. you hear a lot of the TV announcers kind of describe them. And, and they they remind me of the way Jared Bednar would coach an AHL team, right? They don't have so much talent. They work exclusively on effort and checking and forechecking. And then somehow Matty Beneers is converted well, himself to an abs killer and well, just and, and knows how to score I was every say, time. And that's his first goal of the season. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like To me, that that's why I look at that and say, I, I'm, I'm not... I don't think that what you're saying is wrong about the way that they play and the depth they have, and they kind of come in waves. But, but I just think like the the abs are like Philip Grubauer has played really well the last nine times these teams have gotten together, and, mm-hmm. and obviously, to your point, not nine sounds like an aggressive number. That includes seven playoff games that happened, you know, in a row three months ago. So it's not like we're going back two seasons here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know that that number is skewed a little bit. But but that is kind of my point, dude. I think. I think Seattle got in their heads in that in that playoff series because it just didn't go the way that anyone thought it would. The Avs thought it would, and, and and I just think that that's in the back of their head now, and they give up the first goal again. And, and again, I I do think Seattle knows that we got these guys' number right now, so that's why they're coming out fast. They're jumping on the forecheck. And they're really kind of dictating pace. And it seems to me like the abs are back on their heels a bit. I don't know how you fix it. I think you have to just have a, a good game against them. you got to play 60 good minutes against the Seattle Kraken to kind of remind yourself, like, oh, okay, they're just another team. But, like, on paper, especially this year's iteration of the Seattle Kraken, I think the abs are much better, even style. Is like Seattle doesn't have the depth that they did last year. I think the abs are a deeper team. I, I think the abs are capable of, of playing that you know that that type of you know just come at you in wave style to match Seattle, but like to me was looked like a, last night looked like a night where they were gripping the sticks. Every puck that didn't go in, it was, Ugh, come on, come on, we got to get one to go, we got to get one to go, and then you get one to go, and it didn't ever feel like there was the relief that they could start playing kind of fast and loose. Yeah, I mean, that, I feel like that's the feeling that comes with exactly what you're describing. You're playing a team that you know you're better than. Yeah, but they are. You know, through one way or another, one tactic, yeah. one strategy, they're figuring you out, and mm-hmm. they've they've found a way to beat you despite your speediness, despite your you Skill, know yeah. dangerous shots, and and that I think you really you can really point to the physical side of the game. Look at our uh, morning skate report yesterday. Mm-hmm. I pointed out, wow, I remember sitting there last year during the playoffs, just saying I didn't know the Avalanche could get outbodied by Seattle. Of course, you, you look at the Cogliano hit, you look at what happened to Arturi Lekkinen. This Seattle team tries to get some sort of body on you, whether it's even a mm-hmm. little tap like Alexiak did to Arturi Lekkonen, or it's a full-on hit like last year we saw from Everlay. Well, Cogliano took another one right in the numbers last night. It's obviously part of Seattle's recipe to mm-hmm. beat the Avalanche. Yeah, and, and, and again, what was so puzzling to me, kind of relative to what you're talking about, like, wow, I didn't think the Avs would get kind of pushed around like this, was in, in 2022, the year they ran to the Cup, you could tell that that was almost every team's game plan. Mm-hmm. Nashville, St. Louis, mm-hmm. Tampa Bay, all of them were like, well, we're just going to run them out of the building. We're going to up the physicality. And the Habs were like, perfect. We're happy to play that way. And if you're so concerned about chasing us around below the goal line, we're going to burn you in transition. And they did that all playoffs long that year. So that's why <clears throat> I'm with you. One year later, 
they get into that first round series against Seattle and Seattle starts trying to do that, your brain immediately goes like, three teams tried this last year and it went horribly. And the Avs just couldn't ever really break out of it. And I think that that series was a little bit of like, they didn't have, I, I do think the injuries and the depth, Seattle was deeper. Like they, they just were. And that, those seven games, they just were. And, and, and so I think that the Avs weren't as elite of a team to be able to just like completely brush that off and power through it. They almost, you know, kind of found a way to stumble out of it, getting to seven games, lose by one. Um, but but now I, I do. I just think that that's carried over a bit. Obviously, you know, that first game in Seattle, whatever it was, the third game of the season, Logan O'Connor gets in the fight. Obviously, the Avs spent a lot of time thinking about the Kraken in the summer. Whether they will admit it or not, clearly they had. And I just don't think they've moved past that yet. I, I think that series kind of, not not at, on the whole, but in terms of playing in Seattle, I think shook them a little bit. And they're figuring out how to battle through that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's perfectly, I would say, normal, standard to have a really good team somehow not able to beat a team that's obviously worse, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were on the other side of that for a couple years as mm-hmm. Avalanche media, Avalanche fans, when the Chicago Blackhawks could not beat Semyon Varlamov. Yes, yes. This is the, I was trying to dig through my brain for an example, and the closest that I could come to was the when the Avs lost. They, they were like... <laughs> like one eighteen and one against Roberto Luongo and the Vancouver Canucks. I don't know if you, it was again those numbers are a little skewed because that was in the really weird scheduling era of the NHL where the Avs were playing inner division opponents, which they were in the same division as like twenty seven times dude, a year. Yeah. I, I seriously think there was two years in a row back to back where it was you played inner division either seven or eight times depending on the year. Mm-hmm. So literally over the course of two seasons they played the Canucks fifteen times. So again, it's a little bit of a skewed number. But, like, that was the only thing I come up with. But what you just said is, I think, the best example of it. Chicago was so clearly head and shoulders better than those Avalanche teams. But whatever it was, Semyon Varlamov could not be beat. And the Avs played their best game of the season every time they played the Blackhawks. That, to me, is what feels like is happening right now with the Avs in Seattle. Again, Philip, Philip Grubauer has not been great to start this season. He was not good the rest of the way in the playoffs. He really struggled last season. Yet the last nine times these two teams have gotten together, he has been lights out, big-time saves after big-time save. And it just feels like that mojo is just a little bit off right now. So this, of course, was the Avalanche's first loss of the season having scored a goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Tell, and, of course, it was a little bit of a heartbreaker, right, thinking that you're going to get to the end of the game there and 31.6 seconds left, they bury one. What what was the energy like in that locker room? So I didn't get to go Pissed. to last night's game because there were apparently a lot of scouts showing up and, scouts. and they took my seat, um, which is fine. It happens every once in a while. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the the player reaction. How are they feeling about that one? Were- Versus the shutout losses, perhaps. Um, well I had a good I had my answer ready until you said to compare it to the other ones the other ones were disappointment I would say the Pittsburgh Buffalo Vegas they were disappointment kind of like you know we're disappointed ourselves in our effort that one last night was angry and frustrated Um, I'm not going to say who 
there was a player that <clears throat> um, a couple of us were waiting to talk to who had, you know, been involved in a couple of things last night. And this person has never been rude, never been off-putting, never been combative with media. <clears throat> and there was, and to their credit, there was just a couple of us waiting there. It wasn't like a huge scrum of reporters. And they had their back to us getting stuff out of their stall. And they grabbed their stuff and left. Kind of like walked past us. And when they did that, I read the look on their face and I was like, yeah, I probably wouldn't have wanted to ask him any questions <laughs> anyways. <laughs> but like... Uh, that was the first time that something like that's happened to me. And again, th this player, like, I know they had to be upset to do that. Mm -hmm. And just, like, if I talk right now, it's not going to come out good. Um, so that was, that was the angriest that I think I've seen the room. So, again, I, I, you think it's just frustration? You think it's towards Seattle? Or do you think it's towards the team as a whole? I think it's all compounded right now. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, they win a really good game against New Jersey. And I think they wanted to build on that. Dude, I mean, like, so here is the other thing, too, that, that you just won't convince me otherwise. They win that game against the Devils. And I was like, okay, well, they got to win. But in the back of my head, I was like, but they still haven't scored on the road in three full games. And as soon as you head back out on the road, that is a reality again. And so I, I think there's a little bit of that. That no matter how you play in these home games, that is hanging over you a little bit. Not, I don't think it's a huge cloud, but it's something in the back of your mind. I think they're frustrated because they they think they should be playing better. They want to be playing better. They they believe that they can play better. And then you've just got this pesky Seattle team that you now have to play twice in three games right in the middle of all of it, where it's just like, oh my God, we just want to get this figured out and we're having to deal with this yeah, Matty Beneers <laughs> scores his first goal of the season. Philip Grubauer plays lights out. And, like, we just, you know, of course we throw these guys in here twice when we're trying to get back on track. It's making me laugh that you're just throwing this annoyed tone <laughs> yeah. as you're narrating the Avalanche's opinion here. I mean, that was that was what it, I mean, that's what it's felt it's like, like I to can, me. I can almost see somebody just rubbing their eyes yes, like, yeah. of course <clears throat> this is what's going on right, right now. Right, right, because it's like, okay, all right, nice. We got a nice win. Good job, boys. Let's really just start to build on this, head out on the road. Who do we got next? <sighs> because they know that their next game on the road is against Seattle. So I'll bet you they had that one circled. Like, we're getting a good start, and we are burying one early. Let's build some good habits between now and then before we got to deal with these guys. Who just, ugh, they're just driving me crazy right now. Who's on, uh, who's on Thursday? Who? You know what I mean? Like, it's that. Come again? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're the Seattle what? Yeah, and it, yeah. And it's just like that to me was was the kind of is is the vibe that I'm getting. We came into this week saying big opportunity to really build some momentum. Yes. You got three games at home. You got an entire week to sleep in your own bed, rake all those leaves that have been probably just sitting around your yard. Oh, I had to do that. My back still hurts. Um I hate it. And I think that's I part of, that's part of that disappointment, right? I mean, just a, a missed opportunity to really start to build, really put some of these little weird demons that have popped up behind them. Um, but I look at uh, an interview I saw earlier this week. I think it was uh, the morning of the New Jersey Devils game. I saw our friend Mark Rycroft on NHL Network. Mm -hmm. And in that, he said he had a sentence that really stands out to me. He's like, this is a team that at one point in this season is going to have a 10-game win streak. Interesting. Yep. They are just working out some kinks, getting ready 
you know, still early on in the season. And I'm fully on board with that. I fully mm-hmm. believe I that. that. You look at this team and you're like, there is way too much skill, way too much talent. And we were harp- we were so excited about the depth coming into this year mm-hmm. too, right? So you know that depth is still strong. It's just, it's just a, I think, early season growing pains that we're still seeing in front of our eyes. Yeah, and I do. I think um, the six-game win streak to start the season, obviously, is, I was going to say, you know, a blessing and a curse. It's not a curse at all. You, you, the point of this game is to win. And the way the NHL works, the more games you win, the more points you get, the better you are in the standing. So you'll take six wins – However you have to get them. Doesn't matter. You'll take six wins no matter what. But I do think them coming out of the gate and winning six straight is partially what's contributing to the frustration right now of what you're talking about. This, it's a process. Mm-hmm. They're going through it. I, I'm I'm with you. I think they'll be fine. Um, but... I think there was maybe a false sense of where they were actually at. A little bit within the team. You know, they were aware of it. We've got some shortcomings we had to get figured out. A little bit within the coaching staff, maybe, of like, all right, well, we'll be able to just kind of get through these and, you know, win win a game here, win a game there. And then I think, especially for the fan base, it was like a, doesn't matter. They're going to get it figured out. They're going to win a game no matter what. And now you've gone through these where the process, I feel like, has been very similar to what we saw those first six games. And the results are just catching up with them. So I think that's adding to the frustration a little bit, too, of like, damn it, we thought we could just kind of muscle our way through these growing pains and keep coming out the other side. But I think I think it was last night, Jared Bednar said, like, it's the NHL. Every game is going to be difficult. Every goal is going to be hard to come by. Like, you know, it, it's it's a process. I agree with that sentiment. I mean, it's hard to predict a 10-game win streak, but I, I think they're going to get on course, and I think they're going to be totally fine. Um, you know, it, it could be an Edmonton situation where, you know, they're, they're, they came into the season with the exact same kind of expectations as the Colorado Avalanche, and they're currently sitting 16 points out of second place in their division. Mm-hmm. You know, so like – you could be in that situation. I think the Avs are working through some things. I, I don't think guys have fit in quite as seamlessly as maybe they would have hoped. Um, you know, some of the new guys and some of the new roles and things like that. Um, but it'll get there. I, I, again, I, I just, it's so hard for me to get too, ex, too high or too low at this point of the season in terms of what I'm expecting out of the team, what I'm seeing out of them. It's like, you yeah. know the, the, yeah. that that first month, and we're out of the first month. We're into November. You know, obviously, we're well into November at this point. But like that first two, three weeks of the season is always where it's nobody knows what you're getting, anyways. Well, I, I completely can relate with your point of those first six games. You come out of the gate, your standard is suddenly up here. And you're mm-hmm. like this. This team is gonna dominate all year long mm-hmm. so all they want to do now is dominate yep, yep yep all they want to do now is just be the team that everybody looks at as like whoa these guys are storming through the nhl right now well and, and again there were wins where it's like oh we didn't play well and then we turned it on and we mm-hmm. took it to them we turned it on to our to the level of what we expect took it to them won the game done and then the first time you know against pittsburgh when they couldn't just like we'll just 
turn it on. And, you know, we'll we'll take this one over the finish line. The first time that didn't happen, I thought they handled it, handled it well. Happened again in Buffalo. Really good performance out of Uko Pekalukinen. Okay, whatever. And now I just think it's kind of compounding itself a little bit. And it's building, it's building, it's building. I do. They need to score a goal on the road. Mm-hmm. You can't do that for a few more nights. You know, you still got another game at home you got to worry about. But I really do, and maybe I'm being dramatic here. But like that, I do feel like is a little tiny voice in the back of their head. It's like you could win all three of these games at home 10 nothing. The second you go back on the road, you haven't scored in three games. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably something haunting them. Obviously, they'll overcome it eventually, but um, all you can really do is focus on the Blues at this point before you get back to thinking about Seattle and mm-hmm. what they're capable of, right? So I, I expect a much stronger game out of the Avalanche once they do head to Seattle. I think this anger that you're talking about, I think they're really going to harness it and make sure that they send a message on Tuesday. Well, this the game tomorrow is going to be really interesting because – the the Blues, has, you know, in the last couple of years are kind of the reverse of what we were just talking about with Seattle. Of the Abs seem to have their number. The Abs match up really well against them, and on paper, the Abs are just better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I I I would like to see them start to kind of get some of that anger and frustration out tomorrow to feel confident they're going to go into Seattle feeling good um you know because if, if you have a bad game tomorrow all of that's going to kind of stack there's been someone pounding on this back door for the last like three minutes so i'm going to go look at that i don't know if you want to carry this or i can just right, cut just, it till i'm back in the seat let's take a time out here perfect Beep. Jess, I want to look at Arturi Lekkanen. I don't want to talk too much about the hit or, you know, I think we're all in agreement that it was just a, Completely a unfortunate yep. situation. But let's look at what the Avalanche have to do without him now, right? Because I'm assuming he's going to be out at least a few games. I was pretty mm-hmm. vicious and looked really painful. And let's look at what he's done so far and what, I guess, the team's going to look like now that he might be out of the lineup for a little bit. I mean, I, I think he's been fine. He's another guy that I think you are wanting a little bit more from earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, to me, the, this is actually something that, you know, uh, I talked about it last night in the uh, post game. The, like, the number one concern, because of the kind of collision that that was, the way he went to the boards, for me, you know, not to sound too, like, high and mighty, but, like, all I really care about is that he's all right. Like, that was a, you know... Something, someone having played hockey, like you know, that is a scary distance to fall from the boards. The bottom of the boards, there are n- no give. You know, there is nothing there. Um, that was a really scary hit. He looked really, really dazed going to the the locker room. Um, so that that to me is the number one thing. Is 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 he okay? You know, how how is he feeling and and all of that. Obviously, that's, you know, on the hockey side of it, that's a guy in your top six um, that, that you're now without. Um, so you're, you know, we've talked a lot about Jonathan Drouin and what can he do, how much you know more can he produce. He's got to. Like, now he's, he's, he's got to step that up. Tomas Atar has got to step that up. To me, that is really the only kind of real focus is now you have a couple of these guys who need to start ramping stuff up a bit. 
Yeah, I mean, that's kind of the way I wanted to look at it, too, is Druin keeps getting scratched, right? And Mm -hmm. it's unfortunate for him, but this is exactly why you built the team this way. Mm -hmm. I mean, injuries have been such a problem in years past that you had to shore up just in case. Well, now you're already in a just-in-case moment. So it's a good opportunity for Druen to, you know, keep getting in good graces. I don't think he's fallen out of good graces by any means. No. I just don't think he's a fit anywhere else but a top six. So if he's not yeah, fitting I'm in with the top that. six, I'm with that. Yep. it's really tough to, to find a role for him. No, I, I agree. And, you know, he talked about it with me the other day. Jared Bednar talked about it when I asked him about it last week. Jonathan Druen is he's creating. They're not going for him. I think he's had two... That have either been called back or like you know had had something weird happen where it's like well that that would have gone for him, um, you know so he's generating, he's creating chances he's just not they're not going for him. Um, so I'm with you. I, I think that's a good way of looking at it. I think they are kind of saying he's a top six guy. If it works in the top six, great. If not, mm, yeah, I think he's been better than Tomas Tatar though. Sure, personally. Sure. Sure. Don't distract me from what I was about to say. Oh, sorry. Because I, I, well, we can get into Thomas sorry. Tatar in a second, and that was that almost just took me down, you know, a whole nother rabbit hole. I want to look at, no, there at Riley word. Tufty though, right? Because mm-hmm. it's interesting to find a guy that's a bubble AHL NHLer, but gets slotted right into the top six, gets slotted into that second line with Johansson and Nachushkin. So, I don't know. It's almost like, yes, they're really deep. They've got a lot of options, but at the same time. Are you really that deep if you're sliding an AHLer into your top six over a guy like Jonathan Druin? Well, so it's so funny because if you talk to a lot of Avs fans, their number one complaint with the way that the Avs call players up is, well, they don't put them into the top six. Sample Ranta, we heard that a bunch. AJ Greer, we've heard that a bunch. Um, you know, it's this. Um, you know, well, oh, that's the role they play in the AHL. Why are you, you know, putting them on the fourth line? So it's it is funny because now we're in a situation where they are doing that, and I agree that that was one thought that kind of went through my mind where I was like, well, do you not feel like one of these guys could complement better? And I do also part of it think is that it is a real reward for Riley Tufty, not just like. Hey, you're playing well. It's like, no, dude, you're lighting up the AHL. That and like we've kind of got into in our uh, little videos from the arena, I also think it was a strategy thing, right? They wanted to play a more physical game against Seattle Mm -hmm. for all the reasons we talked about already, that you want to get a guy who slots in a little bit more of a physical style. When you're playing a a team that's more skilled, more speed, I think that's when you do go with a Druin over a Tufty. Now you kind of have to go with both. Yeah, no, I'm with you, and and I think both guys – have uh, have roles to play and more to give in the NHL lineup, but um, particularly Jonathan Drouin, I think he's capable of getting there. They've just he's another one that I think once the dam breaks, not that he's going to start filling the net, but I think it's going to take a little bit of a weight off. I think you have a handful of guys who are individuals. I think Ryan Johansson was maybe a sneaky one of them. Didn't have an even strength point yet. Didn't have a point at five on five until a couple nights ago against New Jersey. Um, I think you just have a you had a couple guys. Ross Colton spoke to us about it when he scored that goal. Like he said, I'd be lying 
If I said we didn't put pressure on ourselves to produce, like I, I think there's just a couple people that, despite the six straight wins to start of the season, haven't quite gotten to where they wanted to be yet, and they're working through it. And, and that's why you do, you really do. If you're an Avs fan, you've got to take a step back and say, yeah, these haven't been great games. They're still sitting near the top of the conference, right near the top of the, if not still in, on top of the Central Division. Like, it's all right. There's there's ups and downs to this game. You're going to go through stretches where you don't play well. And if you can win 7 out of 10 while not playing all that well, you'll take it. Yeah, and of course, they're still kind of figuring things out with line combinations. Now that Arturi Lekanen might be out of the lineup, I think it gives a little more wiggle room for more experimentation. And I... We haven't seen since the preseason Jonathan Drouin with Ryan Johansson. And those two looked so good together during Mm -hmm. the preseason. They had nothing but great things to say about playing with each other. Perhaps this is an opportunity to maybe do that and try to get both of them going. Because if they play well together Mm -hmm. and they're both struggling, why not put them together and give them a little boost? Maybe, uh, I don't know, who do you you slot with them? Whoever. Val, I think, is is just fine. Um, But why not? We'll give it a shot and see if you could generate some some sort of spark because it's it's necessary for both of those guys. I don't. I think Ryan Johansson's facing a little bit of unfair criticism because yeah, while you. while it, it w- is one five v five goal, I still think he's got a handful. What is five goals now? So for the record, I was all, I was mostly saying that I think that that was maybe in his head a little mm-hmm. bit. Not yeah, I, I'm with you. Even before that, you know, the goal talking about four goals. If I just told you blanket zero context, a through ten games, Ryan Johansson is going to have four goals for the Avalanche. You'd be like, great, things are going awesome. But yeah, I'm with you. You know, everyone was well. They're all power play, and I think maybe that was in his head a little bit too. I want to be contributing to even strength, and I think you just have a couple guys who are working through that, and it's manifesting itself. Well, I mean, team. you can even look right at Val Nachushkin too, right? He's been a guy that's had a hard time getting going, and that could be because of his lineups. It could just be, you know, a personal, I'm having a hard time getting going. But we saw him get his second goal last night. Yep. More of a Devon Taves play, right? And Nachushkin just kind of getting a tip on it, but his goal nonetheless. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that whole second line, you might just want to jumble up a little bit just to see what you can get generated out of those mm-hmm. guys because all three of those, Johansson, Drew, and Nachushkin, have to find a way to elevate some offense because that's what their game is. They're finding their lines still. Um, you know, I saw a couple people talking about his Jared Bednar's jumbling in the lines leading to lack of chemistry. I, I, I don't think that's the case for me. It's um, He's finding his combinations. I think he's found one with uh, Wood, Colton, O'Connor, mm-hmm. and I think he's trying to find his others, so I'm with you. Try some different things. What a great line that is, too. All about it. Um while we're on the topic of kind of the call-ups and fill in that top six, are you surprised we haven't heard or seen anything from Joel Kiviranta yet? No. Okay. Mm-mm. Is he even still with the team? He's with the Eagles. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I thought they, I, 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 I had never heard. I thought I never heard if he decided to report or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I'm not. I am just because I. I thought he was a guy that was not necessarily making a mark but not necessarily playing his out of out of his playing his way out of a role so i'm expect to maybe see him soon yeah but i, I mean like, what, like is, what, what, that, what does that really what does that really do for you though in this situation i think you're just in a moment like i the whole conversation is i feel like the avalanche are having a hard time plugging guys into the top six i feel like you just have to jumble some things around i'm not so, saying throw joel kiviranta in the oh, top six okay. what like, i'm saying is 
mix some stuff. Mix mix it all. Get a yeah, whole Yeah, I guess but I don't really see how y'all keeping mixer. Ronta helps any you of You just that. need you need you need guys who are familiar with the NHL. You need guys who you want to a lot like Ivan Prozvatov, right? You just want to see what you've got in these guys. You want to see what they do at the NHL level before it's too late, before you have to really make see, decisions see, but, but, that see, impact I, where you are. I, I actually think that Yolakivi Ranta has too much of an NHL tracker. Like, you know what he is. But not on this team, not in this system, not with these guys around him. Yeah, but I mean... I think with, it's worth a look. With, That's all I'm saying. I mean, it's worth a look. Do you think Riley Tufty is that much better than Kivy Ranta? I mean, you right now he's, he's about 10 goals better than him. 10 AHL goals, sure. Right, and and that's that's my point. And Yola Kiviranta's... Again, I, I don't have any issue with Yola Kiviranta, but I just, of everything we're talking about, that was not the name I was expecting. I just think it was a name coming into camp. I thought he was going to be the the guy that squeaks into the lineup. It ended up being Olafson. Um, and now looking back that we haven't even heard a, a peep from him. Perhaps it's just the way he's playing. Perhaps, you know, obviously the coaching staff is keeping an eye on him. Obviously the coaching staff watches what he's doing and just don't think he's worthy of a call-up yet. But I think, I don't know, just to get something going, just to change change it up a bit, maybe not just give Riley Tufty all the opportunities, you want to see, I think, what you have on your hands. Like I said, I, I think I think you've got a pretty good idea with y'all, Kibby Ronto, what what you've got, I mean, he's a goal for helpers, the American League level. If I'm looking to call people up, there's if I'm looking to call people up for a spark, there's a handful of guys that I'm calling up before him. Well, it's not necessarily offensive. No, no, I'm just saying just a spark, spark into your lineup. That, that's my point. Like I'm just, I there's other guys that I think can provide that for you. That's fine. That's fine. Um, <laughs> Bo Byram getting into a fight. Mm-hmm. Should Bo Byron be fighting? Uh, I had the thought with the concussion stuff. You mean? Yep. Um, you know, I think ideally you'd probably say no, just because you're scared of him hitting his head. But he also strikes me as the kind of guy that you're not gonna be able to get him to not. <laughs> you know, like like he he's gonna. He's got that fire and that competitiveness, not to the level of Nathan McKinnon, but I do think he's cut from that same cloth. Um, and, you know, he clearly didn't like that hit on Cogliano. And so I love the passion. I love the fire there. Um, again, I, I did have that thought when they went down. I was like, oh, gosh. But but I dude, I do like that because that's a that's a skill player. That is one of the leaders on your team. That is one of your top tier players saying, We've got each other's back. I don't care if it's Kale McCarr, a star player, or you know, fourth line Andrew Cogliano. You can't do that to us. I, I don't mind it in that situation. You hope that he doesn't start getting headaches or anything like that today or tomorrow. But Right. And I think that's where I mind it. Yeah, no, totally. Look at Kale McCarr. I think he's really good at getting his point across without having to be physical or having to be violent, I guess is mm-hmm. more what I'm looking for. No no after whistle stuff. I think Bo Byram kind of needs to approach the game a little bit more like that, just so cautiously because one wrong hit can See, but I, mean but I, his career. I get what you're saying. Trust me. Well, I was going to say, I just think that that's who he is, though. I, I, I get it. That's yeah. fine. He's got to change who he is if he wants to have an NHL career. There. Jesse, if if that hit went wrong, what would you be saying now? No, I would know. you still be I, saying you're fine with it? No, well, well, you but wouldn't. It, but, but again, like you're talking about like 
Sidney Crosby had those two back-to-back concussions. People were like, oh, man, if he gets hit again, his career's over. Hasn't had a single concussion since. But is Sidney Crosby getting in fights? uh, yeah, he got one last yeah. season. He got one in the preseason. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah, he got one in the preseason. So yes, he is. And you know, he's playing physical. He goes to the front of the net. He mixes it up after whistles. Like, if you're gonna play scared, then just end your career now. Just call it quits. I, don't, I think there's a difference between playing scared and playing cautious when it comes to getting smoked in the head. That's something that's easily avoidable. Like, uh, sure, if he's suddenly cowering uh, in from going into the corners and doesn't want to go into puck battles sure but yeah fights but 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 again the head the head injuries he he could literally he could go the rest of his career never have an, another head injury playing the same way that he's playing right now or he could take a really heavy hit in the chest and rattle his brain around like to me that the head injuries are just so tough to gauge because i'm with you but i don't think he's any more or less susceptible to them and now i am not a doctor i have no idea that could be completely untrue what i just said i think it is it might it very well could be but again like i just look at sidney crosby that's a guy that never changed the way he played never changed you know he he gets under people's skin guys go after him and he just kind of wears it hasn't had the head in, had hasn't had the head issue since i think if bo byram starts changing too much about the way he plays that changes kind of the dna of who he is as a player and that's not who he is mm. I don't know. I think between the whistles is who you are as a player. Well, that was before the whistle. But you know what I mean. I know. I'm just fucking. You know. You're just, you're just trying to see. Do you want to fight? Should we fight right now? <laughs> no. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to, actually a couple things, but um, Nathan McKinnon, you just brought him up. And that's a guy that has elevated his game. I mean, n- mm-hmm. no surprise there. He's amazing. But a couple multi-point games in a row since that Las Vegas loss that was – Mm-hmm. embarrassing right and obviously we're not surprised but I think it's telling about who Nathan McKinnon is becoming for him to say watch me do mm-hmm. and you know he we talked last podcast he didn't approach it with any negativity he really approached it as a we got to be better so what did he do he went out and played better. well and so what's so funny about him too is that there's a lot of sentiment right now that Nathan McKinnon is not playing well He's not playing to his potential, and to me, like I sure you can you could sell me on that. Has he been perfect? No, but I'm with you. To me, what we have seen from Nathan McKinnon is exactly what makes him so elite. Even on nights where I am, where he does not have his best game, you look at the score sheets. Like oh, two. Him and Miko Rantanen are like this. There's been so many Miko Rantanen games over the year that it's like, what is he doing? Oh my gosh, he's all over the place. That was a terrible game for Miko. One goal, three assists. Okay, well, I guess he was pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, Nathan McKinnon has a little bit of that, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I do. I think that's, to me, I think, yeah, we're seeing him, like, I'm doing everything I can to drag us to where we need to be. Um, and, and I do think it is causing him to make some silly mental mistakes. He had two passes again last night to nobody, like, on either team. It was just, like, he threw pucks, and it's like, what was the plan there? And then there was one of them, the Avs had established his own time, snapping the puck around, and he like grabbed off the boards and tried to make this like way too quick, way too rushed pass, and literally just threw it backwards out of the zone. And Seattle's able to get a change, and it kind of ended that possession. So I, I, I think there's an element of it that, like, I'm with you. He's, he's trying to elevate his game, and he's trying to get there, but he needs to also... Slow his brain down a little bit. Clean up those details. He's going to be much, much, much more effective mm-hmm. in helping the team get there. Because I do think that these last handful of games, for everything that he's doing well, he's making a play or two that 
kind of eats into some of that. So I, I, I think he needs to slow down a little bit too. Yeah. But if I'm sure if you look at it from his perspective, I mean, last night, oh, 100%. Avalanche scored three goals. He has three points, right? 100%. So 100%. In his mind, yep. he's like, I'm the one that has to do something or yep. else we're not creating offensively. But I'm with you. Simplify it a little bit. I feel like he's trying extra hard to find that pass this mm-hmm. year rather than shooting, right? I mean, I mean, you even look at the two-on-one he had with Bo Byram. I thought that pass. It was a great pass. Oh, see, I did not It was not in think front of him a bit. I mean, the sauce was nice. Yeah, sauce was nice. You want to pass it on a two-on-one in that position, so... Mm-hmm. No, no blame there, but I feel like I don't know. It could be a little bit more Nathan McKinnon esque. Well, so I'm, I'm with you. I, I, it was a nice pass to get it over the defender, but I did. I thought it was too far in front of Bo, and I was like, again, very uncharacteristic of Nate. Great of I, Bo to calm it down. If you watch the replay dude, too, the first thing Bo outstanding job by Bo. It was exactly Bo. Bo gave Nate all the credit though. He's like, nice pass, and yeah, he's like. Yeah. It was an okay pass. It was all, <laughs> that was all you. Yeah, dude, settles it, pulls it back, and then a hell of a shot from mm-hmm. in close. Yeah, that, that was a great play by Bo. And like you said, give Nathan McKinnon credit for getting it over there. But I did. I thought that was a little too far ahead. Um, yeah, I, I would like to see Nate simplify things down to his style of game. He loves that shot from out high. But like you said, right now, he's getting it out there. He loves to shoot it from out high through traffic, and the Abs have had a ton of success with it. And he's looking for that extra pass. He's holding it for one extra second, trying to make one more play. It's like, get back to what has made you successful. And, and again, I laugh saying this because he's got, what, 12 points and 13 points in 11 games now or something like that? Like, he's fine. But... Yeah, I think he's at 14, actually. Um, Simplify it down a bit, and I think it's going to help move the team forward. And it, it, I think, it, again, I kind of commented on the leadership that he's bec- that he's mm-hmm. kind of generating right and i feel like this is it this is it in progress right we're not to a perfect nathan mckinnon leader but i think this is really positive in the direction of just hey the the top guy's got to be better so i'm going to go be better mm-hmm. of course there's things to clean up like you've mentioned but i just mm-hmm. think uh you know we're seeing this nathan mckinnon leader version yeah Need to make it in leader version. <laughs> um, yeah, I was having the conversation last night in the media room. After he, to me, is the guy that needs to step up and fill the Gabe void mm-hmm. off the ice. I'm with you. I think he's working his tail off on the ice at practice, in games. I think he's doing everything he can right now to help the team win. Um, I've said over the last couple of years, Gabe Landeskog has been the emotional heartbeat of the Colorado Avalanche for about 10 years in a positive way. I think Nathan McKinnon needs to embrace that a little bit more. As in the positivity or just No, the- no ju- just having a pulse on where the team is at. And and knowing what they need, you know, Jerry Bednar talked about it all the time that one of the things that he valued so much about Gabe was that he was almost kind of like the intermediary between the team and the coaches. The coaches could go to Gabe, understand exactly how the team is feeling, relay a message to him, and he could take it back to the team. And going the other way, the team could go to Gabe. He could find the right way to phrase that, understand what the coaching staff is expecting, understand what the team is expecting, and, you know, deliver that message. Now, obviously we are only around so much. Maybe there is a lot of that that Nathan McKinnon is already doing. I don't know. 
Um, but to me, that is what they need him to embrace. He needs himself to embrace. You know, uh, my 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 boy Dmac caused a stir yesterday on the radio, saying that the Avs should take the C from Gay Landeskog and give it to Kale McCarr. I understand what he's saying there. That hey, they need someone else to step up. And he asked. Uh, myself and Peter last night, he said, does captaincy even mean anything? I said, in the NHL, yes, I think it does. And he goes, okay, we'll see. That's my point. Someone needs to have it. And I said, but you're missing the point. It means something. That means you can't just give it to anybody and say, boom, Kale McCarr, you're the leader now. Fix all this. You got to be a leader. That's why there's several teams around the NHL who have now gone multiple seasons without a captain because that right right leader hasn't emerged, hasn't cemented themselves. Seattle Kraken don't have one. The New York Rangers went several years without one. Um, uh, Vegas went several years without one. Like You've got to find the right person that can lead the team. It's not just as simple as the C is on your sweater. That means you're the best leader for the group. That leader's got to present themselves, and I think that's what the Avs are looking for a little bit. I think they've got really strong leadership in that room. That's where I was going to go. I mean, there's so many leaders that aren't even close to sniffing a letter on their sweater, mm-hmm. and they're in their leading by in their own ways and in their own form. Yep. But anyone who has ever worked for a good boss and a good leader, not just a manager, knows that there is an element to that that really can't be replicated, and it makes a bigger difference than a lot of people would think who have never had good leaders in their life. Um, and so again, I think the apps have really good leaders, but they're, they're missing the leader. All of those other, you know, Kale McCarr, Miko Rantanen, Andrew Cogliano, uh, Nathan McKinnon, you know, even Eric Johnson last year, Jack Johnson this year. I thought uh, Logan O'Connor in there. Logan O'Connor, throw him in there. 100%. Uh, you know, Jack Johnson, you could probably even throw in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Devon Taves, you could yep. absolutely throw in there. But to me, all of those guys look to Gabe. So, Gabe, what do we do? Perfect. All right, we're on board. We're bought in. We're going to help lead and steer the ship. And I think all of those, you know, all of those leaders are still there. But when they look... For Gabe, he's not there. They need someone who they can all kind of look to that's not the coaching staff. Jared Bednar has talked about that. I'm not on the ice. There's only so much I can do. The leadership's got to come from in there. So if I'm reading what you're saying correctly is that the Avalanche do have a bit of a problem with a leader in the room. They're not quite ready to to move sure. on and name somebody the next leader just yet, but there is a smidgen of okay, this might be a bit of an issue. Well, it's, I don't even necessarily think it's an issue, but it's just like with with where this group is at, and again, that's why I want to reemphasize: you don't need a C on your chest to do this. Mm-hmm. With where this team is at in terms of their competitive window, that was one thing that I think Gabe Landeskog really understood on that Cup run was when the team needed to push. When it was okay that it's all right, it happens, you know, we're, we're, we're going to rebound. Again, just having your pulse on how the team is feeling and knowing what they need in that moment. I think Nathan McKinnon is the kind of guy that's like, this is what I need, so I need everyone to follow me. And that works sometimes, and that's not bad leadership. But I think 
where this team is at right now with this weird kind of skid and knowing that they're going to go through these, you do need someone in there that can understand what everyone's feeling and calm nerves a little bit. Nathan McKinnon literally has told us that that is what Gabe Landeskog does. And that's why Nathan McKinnon long-term doesn't want the captaincy because he knows I need someone that I can look to that says, Nate, it's all good. I know the ice is bad. <laughs> Go get a stick. It's all right. It's all good. How many sticks has Nathan McKinnon broken this year, too, whether on purpose or not? I feel like he's he's even frustrated. Like, how yeah. many freaking sticks? Why can't they? And I feel like you and I have seen him try a few different ones. He and definitely I think has. He's trying to find something. But, you know, that that to me By is. By my what count, I... he's on his third. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. Yep. Uh, I'll have to have you look. Third brand, not third stick. L- last, like the one sticks. from last night looked different to me at a quick glance during warm-ups. We'll have to look at it again. But He's also playing around with gloves, too. Mm-hmm. There's something. He's on his third set of gloves, there. too, yeah. Um, but that's what I think they need. I just, and and I, think, I do think someone will emerge as that, and I think it'll be Nate. Jared Bednar talks so much about Nathan McKinnon finally understood in 2022 that I don't need to score every night to be productive. I can help the team in other ways. And it's by paying attention to these details and being good in my own end and this, that, and the other. And I think Nathan McKinnon will go through this maturity process and assume that leadership role because that's what his career and his team requires of him right now. And he's the kind of guy his entire career, going back to junior, has shown I will be the guy that the team needs me to be. The team hasn't needed him to be that ever. And I think they do now, and I think he's going to get there. But So I don't, I don't necessarily think they have a leadership problem. I think they have great leaders. But I do think they're missing the guy that everybody turns to. And I do also think this partially underscores what a lot of national pundits have said for multiple years now. Gabe Landeskog is one of the best captains in the NHL. He's one of the best leaders in the NHL. And I think you're seeing the type of effects that he has on a group. So one last attempt to make clear what you're saying here. <laughs> Gabe Landis. Am I not being clear? <laughs> you absolutely are. But is it A, the Avalanche will survive this season without having the guy, the leader? Mm-hmm. Or is it Nathan McKinnon? Or somebody has to emerge as the guy, the leader. What I'm saying is I think it's the latter. Someone needs to, and I'm saying I think it's going to be Nathan McKinnon. Okay. Because that's what he's shown. He's making he's making strides. It's not this is becoming a leader like that that everybody wants to follow does not happen overnight. And I think Nathan McKinnon is getting there. And I think this is going to be a new development in his career there's going to be a new chapter for him and and you hope that it's one of those things that if Gabe Landeskog ever comes back which we don't know I've been told very different things throughout this process at different times so we don't know if he's coming back but you hope that it's one of those things that if he does come back now you've got these two guys at the top of your roster who are just you know they're going to lead you to three cups three more cups or if Gabe Landeskog can't ever come back, well, maybe Nathan McKinnon does end up emerging as the next would-be captain when we all kind of assumed it would go to Kale. I just don't know if Kale is vocal enough. It's not that he's a bad leader. That's its own type of leadership. You know, when he speaks, everybody listens. But that is just not who he is, and you cannot 
force someone to be that. Yeah, there's almost uh, you know, the Gabe Landeskog kind of has that dad energy about him, right? Where it's like, if you don't do it, you're gonna disappoint me. You're gonna yeah. piss me off, and then I'm gonna talk to you a little bit more sternly. I don't know if Kale McCarr has that yeah. stern level in him, right? He's just kind of like, ah, he didn't listen to me, mm-hmm. whatever. But uh, yeah. who knows? Um, that's just kind of my read on it. But we'd be terrible at our job if we didn't slide this in here. We gotta acknowledge Elliot Friedman's comments about. The avalanche circling around Patrick Kane. What do you yep. read into it? What are your thoughts towards it? Uh, to me, I, I said this on a show, and I am realizing we got to hurry a little bit. I know they're waiting on us just a bit, so I'll make this quick. Um, I've been told for two years now. Well, uh, I guess it depends on what you count a year. Trade deadline and an off two season. Seasons. Yeah. seasons. Thank you. The Avs like Patrick Kane. They see a fit there. They tried to get him at the deadline last year. They were, uh, excuse me, they tried to get him at the de- or in the off season last summer, and they tried again at the deadline. And then he had the surgery in the summer, but I was told that he was someone they would have been interested in had that not happened. I am not at all surprised that this is coming up again. And to me, the the part that does start to make this slightly more interesting is that for the first time. I, I saw a couple different people that were talking about this saying there's a sense that Patrick came to maybe willing to do what he has to do to make the money work because he knows the situation he's in. He's coming off a major surgery that we don't really know what you're going to look like. You weren't great in New York. You really struggled outside of Chicago. And we're only getting half a year out of you. So you put those things together. If he's willing to take that money, that lesser money, I mean, I think it makes a ton of sense. I know you disagreed with me a little bit when we talked about this last time, saying I don't know really where he fits. But to me, right now, with with what's kind of shaking out with your roster, everything's on the table. Yep, I completely retract all of that. And now that we've seen the things develop the way they have, and you know, I spent a good portion of this talking about how you're having a hard time plugging guys into your top six. There's a perfect. N- other guy to plug into your top six and see what he's got. See what he's got. Got to keep trying things until you find a fit. And, and if and it doesn't work, works. if it doesn't go well, it's small money for one season. You mm-hmm. go your separate ways in the summer and oh well, you tried. But It'd be so sweet to see him in an average. I know. I'm yeah, not I was gonna, gonna say. I I I think it'd be interesting. Like you said, if and then it's Kiviranta who? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and again, <laughs> that that's a move too. That if, let's just say hypothetically. They have signed that deal tomorrow with Patrick Kane, knowing he's still not coming back for a while. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You know you got reinforcements coming. Kovalenko is the other thing. Suddenly, if you went out and signed Patrick Kane, and now you're thinking like, well, holy shit. Come February, we're adding Patrick Kane and Nikolai Kovalenko to this lineup. We feel pretty good. Mm-hmm. We feel pretty good. Let's get Ryan Johansson going. Whatever we can get out of Drew and it's tar, great. If not, yep. see you guys after the game. And and it's a, a great luxury to be able to scratch guys like Jonathan Drouin, right? It's not right. it's not back. I always, for some reason, and he was such a nice guy, but for some reason, I always bully him in these conversations. I think of Mark Barbario. He was yeah. almost signed to the team just to be a scratch, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And yeah. Not, not Jonathan Drouin. Jonathan Drouin has a place in the team, and there are nights where he just isn't what they're looking for. He doesn't fit the strategy, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I think I think everything's fine. Everything's going to get figured out, and. Like our friend Rycroft said, I think there's some good winning stretches ahead. Yeah, I'm with you. Right on. So that'll do it for today, uh, Friday edition. Friday. 
I hope everybody liked it. Two this week. We almost got in a Felt fight. Good. We did? Um, oh, yeah, you did challenge me to a fight. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us, and uh, keep hanging out with us in the future. We'll be back.